Thank you all for checking out this week's episode. Once again, I'm John. If you like what you heard and saw today, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And check out our brand new merch store with hats, coffee mugs, t-shirts, other cool stuff coming down the pipeline. Again, thank you all for support. Be safe and see you next week. How's it going, everyone? John here, the host of Spear Talk. And today we have to welcome the metal motivator himself, CJ Ortiz, to the show. Uh, CJ, for the last 25 plus years, has been a motivational speaker, branding and marketing expert, publisher, life, uh, business coach. Uh, he's also the co-host of one of my favorite podcasts with Pat McNamara, uh, the University of Badassery, uh, which is streaming everywhere. Um, CJ, it's great to have you on here today. Good to have you with me. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I said that's the joke that you that uh, uh any anybody who does podcasts on a regular yes. basis, you get your wires crossed on who just who where you're supposed to be and whatnot. So I'm used to to being on in your chair. So but no, great to have great to be with you, man. And uh thank you very much for taking the time. And uh I kind of want to start here. It's and I and I hate dating these episodes because the pandemic obviously affected everyone, but one sure. of the cool things from that. Uh, one of the very first podcasts I came across, because I never understood it. I never had the time. Now, I'm familiar with Joe Rogan stuff just because right. of the, the video aspect of it. But sure. when it came to listening to other people talk, yourself and Pat's podcast, uh, The Badassery, there is something to it where is, at first, I'm kind of like, I don't want to know if I can listen to people talk about tactics or right. I, having lived that life. I don't, I want to, I want to separate myself from that. Sure. But the way you guys talk about the core beliefs, whether it's integrity, uh, honesty, courage, bravery, um, how to deal with fear, it's when the pandemic hit, did you guys realize that how essential and needed voices like yourselves were going to be? Um, not initially. Well, the only, the only thing we thought is, is, well, people will have more time to listen, you know, yes. um, but the podcast that originally started um, something that I was doing called metal excellence. And uh, he was the first guest. And after the first interview with him, I said, you know what, dude, I used to have a co-host with something I used to do. You would be great as a co-host. And he agreed to it. And so we kind of went from there, but as you know, Pat has just his own audience <laughs> and uh, they're not necessarily people who are heavy metal, whatever, you know, fans um but they love him to death and they'll listen to anything he puts out there so after a while i realized you know people the name may be more of a hindrance than it is anything else and so i had something called the university of badassery had a shirt with it on and it just basically it was based around a quote that i wrote called that said um to be a badass you have to kick ass the first ass you need to kick is your own and so in other words, it's more tongue in cheek. We're not saying we're the badasses by any stretch of the imagination. We're not saying we're not, but we're just, we're talking about badassery in general. Um, but as time went on, just like with Mac himself, um, you began to see uh, that it was almost perfectly timed. Obviously we can't take credit for that. You know, uh, we started it before the pandemic and it just kind of grew from there then we started our coaching group and so that kind of put almost put put a little bit of a damper on the podcast in a way because we were doing so many live streams and zoom calls and things like that for you know a dedicated group um because we wanted to work specifically with people um and not just have an audience out there that just kind of hears things but it certainly did grow and um with mac interesting a lot of the stuff that he's gotten criticism for 
uh, from people on social media were all things that eventually came true. <laughs> so everything, I mean, like, you know, he's a big proponent of never, um, never have your car in the driveway with less than three quarters of a tank, for example. And uh, so he got a lot of crap for that. You know, that's a lot of trouble. That's a lot of money, blah, blah, blah. Well, then we had, especially here in, in North Carolina, the the grid went down and so nobody could really get any gas um and then even down to i was looking at a clip the other day that my son had actually shot um we were at one of his sentinel courses and he was going through his, his what he carries in his vehicle and he pulled out a just massive bag full of ar-15 mags <laughs> you know and he, and he was talking about he said if a school shooting goes down and my kids are in there i'm not waiting I can't wait for law enforcement. Law enforcement has problem. Law enforcement, this, and sometimes I have to go in. And then he had a, a security vest, fluorescent security vest that he would put on to help distinguish him, to give him at least that little bit of time in case there was some, you know, um, misunderstanding or what have you. Well, of course, everybody went ballistic when we first posted that because they were like, who are you? Vigilante. And then Uvalde happened. So just about everything. So that's kind of the way everything has sort of gone. It's like the more time has gone on, the more the stuff that we unintentionally, you know, said right. ended up becoming more relevant. Is it tiring for you to, when you talk about all this stuff, whether it's the bravery or how to deal with self-doubt or find the courage to do something or push yourself or be how to become more resilient. When you talk about this stuff, does it ever get tiring for yourself where some days when you, you are feeling the opposite of what you're saying, where it's like, how do I kind of separate my own personal bad days versus encouraging others to have better days? Well, that's a really good question um, because, you know, at, at people can start to think if all they see is this video, you know, video image and hearing what you say and read what you write, they can think you don't have bad days. They can think, you know, you don't need, right. you don't, you're always motivated. You're always up. You're always whatever. But we know that's not the case, you know, and I don't, and I've, I don't know that I've ever heard anybody that actually has ever suggested that, but you can get that impression, certainly. And what I often tell people is the issue is not whether I'm knocked down. The issue is which one of us gets back up first. You know, I went through a very, the worst time of my life um, back in summer of 2011. But, the, but what had happened, usually for someone to recover from that can take years. But it took me about three months. And the only reason why is because of the preceding 25 years of, you know, personal right. development. I mean, hardcore stuff, hardcore meditation, study, thought, uh, practical self-improvement, really, really. And, and not just dealing with head or emotions, but I mean, comprehensive <laughs> everything. We don't leave any stone unturned. They're not going to be, you know great over here in physical fitness for example and then you know treat my kids like crap or right. you know be great at my job but my finances suck you know it's it's comprehensive health diet everything but to do that then it, it makes it much much easier to recover um but uh yeah i mean the times when i'm i mean i will say this though uh, in all honesty um i'm i'm I've always got my why, you know I mean? I've always got the reason why I'll do something. I just may be dragging ass like an alligator sometimes. You know what I mean? You're just yep. tired. You know, you travel a lot. You know what I mean? You, you put in the hours, bro. And you got to be on, 
you know, and, and not just on physically, but mentally alert. Right. <laughs> You're su- serious security, man. Um, that's exhausting. And sometimes you're just not feeling it. And so I learned I'll never get to my goals faster by condemning myself. I'll never get to my goals faster by guilt has never helped me achieve anything in life. So I don't right. spend much time with it. You know what I mean? I just get right back on the horse as if I never fell off. I find it's obviously both of us being males, there's a stigma with asking for help or talking about some of these problems, whether it's mental or physical. And again, I think that's why I resonate with what your show and everything you've talked about, even as your individual stuff with uh, um, the motiva- the mental motivation. It's like, maybe that's why I resonate so much with, here's another guy talking about stuff or mm-hmm. feelings I have that I share, or maybe I disagree with some of the stuff you say, but it's, it's hearing another man say something like that openly where I kind of gravitate towards you. And again, I can't, there's been times where we'll share, like always your stuff pops up on Facebook or Instagram. And it's mm-hmm. like, it hits at the right time where you got to share this to someone that maybe doesn't know who you are or someone that doesn't like metal music. But yeah. what you're saying, it hits the core. And I, again, I can't thank you enough for what you, when you put yourself out there like that, but as oh, a man to another man, man, it's it's assuring that it's, there's, there's a sense of pride for me where it's like, you know what? I, what he said, I felt that the other day. I'm glad he's saying it. Now I have the confidence or courage to say yeah. that or preach what he's saying. Yeah, I think that's that's great. And and you know, I I wasn't familiar with what you were doing, and then just the last couple of days, start checking out what you're. I said, wow, he's got his game. He's got his act together, man. Because you know, you get hit up by people, and they're like, dude, you're their oh, second sure. episode or something. You know what I mean? Yes. And and I I, I want to help as many people as I can, but it's always great to see somebody who's kind of got their act together professionally you know they got the they got the tech dialed in and all that they got an audience for god's sake um yeah i mean obvious i mean sometimes i'll joke uh, i'll say because we're both social media people i'll I'll say man you know uh, i'm a little tired of the motivational content (laughs) um because it's just it's everywhere and everybody's a motivator you know um which is good i love you know i love that there's positivity out there like you said not that you necessarily agree with everything that's being said but i'd rather have that than the bitching you know any day of the week um but yeah i think uh, for for men it's um it's you know typically not like us to ask for directions or to ask oh. for help you know drive around a car for 30 minutes as opposed to just texting or calling someone exactly yeah. yeah yeah and uh we you know we want to feel like we we did it ourselves and and what have you um but you know we're also in a, a bit of a therapeutic age you know where people are becoming more and more comfortable and uh, i don't know whether it's just with my i think it's probably with my audience the metal community and they're already marginalized. You know what I mean? They're, they're, so a lot of them got it. That's why they sometimes why a lot of them listen to aggressive music is because it's I mean, they, they've already shown this academically that it's a great way to it's a healthy way of channeling aggression, channeling, you know, very, very strong negative emotions. You know, you you, you listen to a song and the lyrics are brutal about vengeance or something. But you think, well, isn't that damaging? No, because you got it out of your system. You you're you've you let some steam out by turning yep. the valve, so to speak. And um, one of the things that has been really, really, uh, I want to say, a blessing for me is is just the amount of males um, that were very, you know, open about how they felt and and just or or just supportive, right. you know, because they it. it 
it's real because I thought when I first started this and I started in uh, 2009, I thought, man, I'm going to get trolled. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, because, but you just figure, you know, who is yes. this guy? And, um, right. and I've had people who become very close friends who at first were kind of like, what the hell is this? See, like a wrestler or so, you know, putting on an act, that kind of thing. And I don't put on any kind of act. I've talked just right. like this. Yeah. I mean, if you were to close your eyes, you don't see the, the actual person. You wouldn't know it had anything to do with heavy metal. Right. You know what I mean? It's just outside of the, the outro music. There really isn't anything that's based on heavy metal. Um, but, it, you know, it's just helped to kind of get into that into that niche. But actually, I wasn't trolled um, even on YouTube. It's amazing how rare it is that somebody will actually now I get more of it now that I'm with Mac. Right. Because it's just it's a different audience and they don't. Yes. They have no idea who I am and why are you there? You know what I mean? They could they could understand another special forces guy. But who are you? <laughs> now, I, 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 I don't mean to interrupt you, but one of the questions I had, would you deal with that type of stuff? Like, why? Why is it OK for someone to why have that opinion why would they look at you and be like why can't why is he why is he there why can't you be there it's like it's i think part of the problem with society today is that everyone is just always questioning and not accepting of different people it kind of goes with the whole metal ethos yeah. these guys are outcasts they're all west Memphis three these guys yeah. are black fingernail polish they listen to death metal and there's a there's a lack of understanding where it's it's just so weird to me when you say that that questioning why you're next to pat or yeah. vice versa, whether somebody in your community is like, why is talking to a special forces guy? He's pro-gun or whatever. Right. And it's right. like, how do you – after when I started my podcast, it's – so I never – I don't care what people think of me. Sure. I care that people at least give me the time. If you disagree with me, I'm okay with that. And I, I welcome all comments like that. But when you don't have a solid reason why you don't like what I'm saying or you don't like one of my guests because he's uh, – or – or she, they're a transgender and they, I don't believe that's gets my faith. If you have those reactions to people, I think those are the wrong reactions to have. And it's like, obviously you're dealing with that too. It is fascinating to me that people in this day and age will have this entitlement to, well, I can't listen to this show because he's, why is he next to a special forces guy? He's always talking about. (laughs) It's just fascinating. Yeah. No, 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 it is. I mean, I've, you know, I've gotten obviously quite good amount of criticism from a lot of those people what i realized though with mac um is that because there, because there was no reasonable explanation for it um i wasn't mumbling i wasn't obnoxious i wasn't you know i was contributing to the conversation in fact i i'm the one who makes the conversation if mac was doing a podcast it would be five minutes long <laughs> you know so it's my job to keep him talking and keep him engaged because he's he's going to just be brief and that's it. Um, so I, I got criticism instead of thank you for getting the Mac for getting Mac to talk to, especially I'll get him to talk about stuff he doesn't normally or won't get asked about on other shows, you know. Right. Um, but I, what I realized was one reason for the criticism was because I, I say, Mac, I told him one time, I said, Mac, your fans are weird. Um, because uh, they're hardcore. I mean, they're really, they're really a little too, and he realizes this. I said, they're like, I'll tell you what your fans are like, Mac. It's like, if you fart, they're going to kick in the doors to come in and smell it. Yeah. That ain't healthy. (laughs) That ain't healthy. 
And you want to be respected, obviously. But when people just kind of go overboard with it, it's just a little bit too much. And he gets a lot of that. Um, he does. He's the most unprideful person you, you'll ever meet. Humble, gracious, hilarious. He's a dude. We are both, as we like to say, five minutes out of high school. I mean, if we're not, we're either dead serious or we are partying. One of the two. There's no middle ground with us, man. It's just, yep. we're just dudes. You know, when I talk about dude stuff, I mean, our, our talks are, when we do our live streams and stuff, we're, we got just one liners sprinkled through from Seinfeld, Letter Kenny. I mean, just everything. Cause we, we're, we're consumers, you know, of, of yep. culture. And, uh, and so, so people, people think though, that the guy, and I'm sorry for your audience who doesn't know necessarily who Pat Mac is, but you can look it up afterwards. <laughs> um, but everybody kind of thinks he's, he just eats concrete and spits nails all day that he works out all day, you know, that he, that he's just this brutal thing when it's actually quite the opposite. You know, he's one of the best people you'll ever hang around with. Yep. And, but I, what I realized is a lot where a lot of the, um, a lot of the criticism stems from is envy. Because in other words, if, it, if I was another special forces guy, then they wouldn't say anything. Right. Because they would say, well, that that's an earned seat. But the, because they don't know who I am, and because I look like this, then it's like I'm taking their seat. Right. They want to be there. Right. They want to be the one next to them talking gun stuff or whatever it may be. And, you know, but, you know, he's <laughs> it's too bad, you know, it's uh, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting because when you say when you think of like special forces, I think they're the top of the top of that field. But. Mm -hmm. When I look at a stay-at-home mom that's raising four kids, oh yeah, the night job—that's my special forces version of a, of a single parent or a doctor or a teacher. Totally. Like people don't understand the fact that there are the, the higher tier people in every organization or every group or every profession. There, they have every right to be where they're at. They've worked hard, and even yeah. the people that aren't at the top or are trying to get there, they there's no reason why they can't be at that same table too. And I think. It's so tough for me because when I have the guests on that are like the Tony Blowers, John Doors, mm -hmm. uh, Rick Hogg, sure. uh, like those type of people, it brings out a, just a, everything. It's like the yeah. gun people, the tactical people. But what I've noticed is when I start talking about stuff, not necessarily about like the tactics or you, when you talk to Pat, you could do an a whole podcast on him where it just talks about his military life and career sure. and tactics. But what I love about you, like you brought it up when you talk to these guests, you talk about stuff that's not going to necessarily, they're going to talk about, whether it is music or fishing or right. trading dogs or like fitness mm -hmm. stuff. And it's like, there's something to that where you got to put these people out of their shells. And yeah. with you, it's almost like the perfect yin and yang how you and Pat did that, where it's metal guy, tactical guy. But when you meet in the middle, it creates that really cool content that, again, that I talked about earlier, is so important because you're talking about stuff that affects everyone. Yeah, and and I have to credit so much of of him for that because he's just a very balanced individual. And again, he's very he's humble, man. Um, and I mean, he's one of my biggest supporters. You know, I, I try to hold back so that I can give more space for him, and he's the one who's kind of pushing me back in. And I want to just say I want to continue that thought, but what you just said I think is really really important. The most badass people I know are not in the military. Right. I call them tier one civilians. They are, you know, especially every Mother's Day, I'll always say the same thing. I'll put out a video that just basically says, 
the, the single most powerful force I've ever seen with my own two eyes is a mother's love for her children. Right. It's the, how could, you know, yeah. compared to nuclear, I don't care what it is, natural disaster, there's nothing more powerful in the world than a mother's love for her children. Because if you remove it, we're doomed. We're doomed. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, they're the ones who do everything. You know, they're the ones who really build. There's something I've seen women who are just wild and crazy young girls and just living their life and they get that baby. And it's like they have a religious conversion overnight. <laughs> you know, right. I've seen women who are all about their husbands or whatever. The moment they have that baby, she'll slit his throat <laughs> if he does anything to that child. You know, there's something about the self-sacrifice. It's, it's, it's the most unconditional selfless love. Granted, I know. There's bad moms out there. Okay, I understand that. But, the, you know, but we all understand what I mean. We're, for most of us, we've had great moms, moms that did the best they could. But for something to be that powerful, but yet at the same time, when it's doing its deed, it is defenseless. She can't fight off a horde. She can't fight off the invader into the house. Um, she's tied up with children. She can't provide for everything. You know, and so I'll often tell guys, I'll say, listen, if you're a dad, then you know your purpose in life to provide for and protect the most powerful thing in the world, a mother's love for children. And so, yeah, I mean, I think there, you know, people who deal with chronic pain, you know, um, I, I know people very close to me who I don't know how they do it, John. Yep. I, you know, I, I'd, I'd be a baby, I think, um, but just rheumatoid arthritis and, and spine and back pain and neck pain. And just, I mean, just horrible, horrible thing that never goes away. So that's, that's a, that's a really, a, um, uh, an important point. I think we need to highlight as much as, as I applaud, you know, obviously guys yeah. who've done tremendous things in war right. and, whatnot, and what it took to get to the level, especially like a Pat Mack, who's at the top of the food chain. Yes. Um, at the same time, you know, like Mac always says, Mac says, hey, that's that that's a part of my life. That's not who I am. Yep. You know, he, he I mean, unless you ask him, he's not going to tell you about his like He doesn't park in veterans parking. You, you would never know that this guy is who he was he'll talk to veterans and and not even mention right that that so you know that's the kind of guy that he is but um but he's the one that helped to make the podcast what it was because it, it helped me to then be able to bring the latitude that we needed uh to be right. able to cover all the sort of things that you mentioned and um it's just I wish I could say we planned it. You know what I mean? This right. is kind of one of those things that just we got lucky <laughs> and we're very similar about a lot of things, even though we come from completely different backgrounds. Right. We're very, very similar about a lot of things. And uh, that that really helps. But um, I tell you what, man, I've you know, I've learned more about tactics and firearms than I care to know. <laughs> right. No, for sure. Yeah. Uh one of the interesting things with you, all the, the time and years you spent in the ministry and you transition into what you do now, when growing through the, the ministry stuff and all the religious stuff, and I, I, you can kind of maybe talk about why you left, mm -hmm. but 
were you at this whole time was music still very vital was metal music part of your life at that time like were you listening to striper and blood good like religious mm-hmm. metal or was it very like metal sepultura death tolls that type of stuff? <laughs> well it's yeah it's, it, 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 there were different periods you know um because i grew up in an atheist home so you know i didn't my conversion was a radical one and it was in the 80s So, yeah, I mean, I I, initially the the stripers and the blood goods and rest in peace, Michael blood good, who just passed away, um, you know, that deliverance and other bands were were very helpful for me initially in the transition. Um, But then I couldn't stop, you know, uh, staying plugged into what was happening. And and uh, I didn't keep up with everything that was going on because I just I had other things I was doing. I was not just in ministry per se, but also I, had, I was growing my family and I was going to school. I was doing things, you know. Um, so but yeah, it's you know, there's my my version of metal is always going to be the same version that I cut my teeth on, you know, and of that same vibe. So, yeah, it was um uh, metal metal music is I always say metal is the soundtrack of my life you know because it's just it's just what I always resonated with you know I never met the guy who was like only into Slayer for a summer in 86 right, right. you know what I mean if they were into Slayer in the summer of 86 they're still in the Slayer now you know yes they are fully dead skid mask as we speak yeah, <laughs> yeah. one of the when it comes to that type of music, and obviously the last couple of years, again, when they take away the arts and that form of therapy that music really is to people, mm-hmm. it's, I mean, that it's cured people, it's healed people, and oh, yeah. it's brought people back from suicide thoughts. And it's like, when that gets taken away, just for me being on the road and seeing these crowds and festivals all over the world with hundreds of thousands of people, the... I don't care, even more so now after the pandemic, like every song, every artist, like it's just people needed this. And it's, yeah. it's so fascinating watching people go back into the mosh pits again or the pits yeah. and all this crowd surfing stuff. And it's, it's, it's so crazy that we get pushed all this prescribed, these drugs and pills just to stay happy. But mm-hmm. you take away that one thing that people love, the arts, and yeah. you can't go to Broadway, you can't go to a concert. It's now to see that bounce back into where it is now it just it tells me right there like i hope we never go back or we have more people to fight to protect those arts for times dark times it will come again because they heal people yeah i i completely agree um the arts the creative space is a marvelous thing you know if you think about it we can go back a few thousand years and if you had a commercial jet airliner it could have taken off during the days of pharaoh the laws of flight were there, you know, and just to think that, you know, there was a time when recipes weren't around, movies weren't around, planes weren't around, cell phones weren't around, you know, so much of, of what we enjoy or could call life was not here, but the potential was always here. And that to me, I was always fascinated by the idea of technology. um, Because I got into the root of it. The the Greek word is, is techni. T-E-C-H-N-E, techni, and it means art, artisan, craftsman. So like you mentioned, the ministry ministry thing, the Old Testament, the Greek version of the Septuagint, when they would talk about the guys who were like building the temples and stuff, they were called technis because they were the artisans, the craftsmen, the skills, which 
makes sense because what do we call new, new technology? State of the art, art, right? So it's art, which means that technology is actually not the, the device. The device is not technology. The device is a manifestation of technology. Technology is the ability to create visible things within visible means. So again, the potential to fly a plane thousands of years ago was there. And Shakespeare's stories were waiting to be told. You know, chocolate right. chip cookies were waiting <laughs> to be, you know, discovered, if you will. So nobody dug up, you know, through archaeology and found a laptop. They didn't pick cell phones from trees. You know, these are the end results of years and years and years and millenniums of advancing in people creating visible things with invisible means. I wanted, when I was thinking about this years ago, um, I'd asked my kids one time, I said, we were at a Best Buy or something and I pointed to one of the HDTVs and I said, how long did it take for that HDTV to get there? They said, what do you mean on the shelf? How long did it take for that HDTV to get there? So we started backing up. Well, then it had to be back in the warehouse and they had to put it on the shelf, but how did it get to the warehouse and how did it get on that truck and backing up, backing up to the guy who created it, but he didn't create it out of nothing. There was existing technology before then that gave him, you know, the, 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 the plateau in order to create something like this. And you back up, back up, back up, back up into campfires, <laughs> you know, the wheel, Right. Um, so in other words, it took a long time for that television to get to that shelf. And that's technology. And that's what happens. Because if, if you listen sometimes, and you might talk to um, the guys from Shinedown about this, see if, see if they've ever had this experience. Because I've heard James Hetfield say this. I've heard Michael Jackson say this. I've heard several art. I heard, I heard uh, Noel Gallagher say this. They say, Sometimes it feels like the songs write themselves. You know what I mean? As if almost like you're kind of downloading it. It's just, it was too easy. You know, it's just the story kind of told itself in a way. There's something about, because again, if, if we've gotten this far with technology, again, creating visible things with invisible means, then what, what more stories are there to be told? What more music is there to be created? What more wonderful things are waiting to be created? That's a, but that's a frightening thing to the powers that be. Right. You know? It's, yeah. And, and so they like regulation. It, it's in the interests of the state to regulate a society because that's the only way you make a top-down bureaucratic system work. I mean, Orwell gave us you know, yeah. fictional examples of this where you had to, that, that's an interesting story when in 1984, when um, uh, the character, what's his name, Winston or something, he, 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 he discovers the, the hidden book in the dictionary, right? And it's the, it's the, it's called the theory and practice of oligarchical collectivism. And you're like, what the hell is that? You know, but the theory and practice of oligarchical collectivism. In other words, how do oligarchs stay in power? And so he's reading about the history of before they created this 1984 world that he lived in. They're talking about um, how they were going to control the upward mobility of people because it was naturally in people's wiring to solve problems. If there was sickness, they want to create a cure for it. If they need entertainment, they want to make it so that there's a drive within humanity to create and produce. 
So at first, these oligarchs thought, well, we'll make productivity illegal. And they said, no, that's a bad idea because the people will obviously revolt and they outnumber us. So they came up with the witty idea of saying, well, what we'll do is we'll create wars. And so we'll consume all the productivity of people in the warfare state. And to keep us in perpetual warfare, we have to have terrorists, we have to have, you know, so there was this Goldstein character that was constantly, you know, setting off bombs and things. And then they would have these hate minutes, whatever, where they all of a sudden on the big TV screens, the Goldstein guy, like the big Obama, I mean, Osama bin Laden would appear and, you, you know, everybody starts yelling at the screen and all that. So we keep everybody in this fervor for war. And then the news would keep changing the Ministry of Truth. <laughs> we'd keep changing the story every day. Well, uh, Oceania's at East Asia's at war with Oceania. Oh, East Asia's always been at war with East Asia with Oceania. It's like, wait, wait, but the headline said something different yesterday. So they just keep everybody in this con, and then they constantly reduce the size of the dictionary. So you, your your ability to think in larger terms is gone, and you're seeing that in a way kind of played out where where language is being messed with, truth is being messed with. And I mean, we're all open for debate. We're all open for, let's yes. argue, let's, let's have, let's debate and, and let the better man or woman win. I can't even say that now. Right. <laughs> can you say that? Um, but you, you, you know, you, what you realize is that going back to your point, um, we don't want to lose our ability to create and to make beautiful things and to enjoy the therapeutic power of music. I was talking to some musicians the other day who were griping, they often do. Yeah. <laughs> um, they were griping about um, tribute bands and cover bands. You know, they said, this is killing original music. I said, no, it isn't. You know, it's not killing it. It's just, that's what people, because I used to run a bar and venue and I used to tell original artists all the time. I said, listen, I don't sell original music and I'd hold, hold up a bottle of Bud Light. This is what I sell. And if a, if a jukebox will sell more of this, then I'll pick a jukebox over the band. Now, that doesn't mean that the, the music that's being played is my personal preference. Okay. Right. But, you know, but I said that, but the downside to that, guys, is while you're arguing about original versus cover and all these other things, realize that that window of people going to see live music is closing. Because there's a generation that's coming up who were raised on touchscreens and yep. streaming music. And so they've never gone to a record store before. They never put a CD in. They've never gone to a show. They don't know what that is. Yep. So that could go away in a sense, you know, outside of us old fogies, if you will, keeping that alive um but it's just like you know i remember when my kids were on facebook my oldest son was was in college at the time and that's what it was it was a like a college chat type thing you know yeah. what i mean it was called the facebook or something like yeah, that the facebook and um and then it eventually you know morphed and then all all the young people split and it became the domain of us and so the bars and stuff I ran down uh, down in Texas when I was doing it, all the cover bands were basically 80s bands, you know, and and but you could see I I'd tell the artists and I'm sorry, we're so off topic here, but I tell some of these artists, I said, listen, come up to this bar because we had two stages indoors and outdoors. And we, we'd run a rock cover band and a dance band. So we get a lot of these horn bands and stuff that, you know, play yeah. weddings and corporate parties. So they would play for us for cheaper because it would get them, you know, clients. 
So I said, but you can come on any Friday or Saturday night. The place is going to be packed and you can go to either stage and on either stage, dance band with horns or rock band, you're going to hear the same three songs played at some point during the night. You're going to hear Poor Sugar on Me. You're going to hear uh, Sweet Child of Mine. And you're going to hear Don't Stop Believing. Yeah. Both bands are going to play it. And you can go in the crowd anytime any one of those songs are played. And you will see that 75% of the crowd is going to go crazy when those songs come on. And I can go to my grave and never hear any one of them ever again. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter to me yeah. at all. But I said, we're playing to the lowest common denominator where the shepherd go in the speed of the slowest sheep. Right. You know, but still, I would rather have that. I would, you know, you go lock me up in a Turkish prison somewhere where I'm hidden away for 20 years and I'll come out and you can crank up Brian Adams and Loverboy and Journey. I'll be, it'll be the sound of America, man. It'll be the sound of America. And so, yeah, there's a part of it where you're like, okay, if I want to get trapped in the moment get all snobby about my music yeah but yeah. on the other side it's like bro you can still rock in america let's keep that going it's you gotta hit to edit but when, especially with your work and social media and branding when it comes to these new algorithms and trying to get positive content out there and i know we both know uh people that have been censored or uh whether right or wrong have been censored because they, they have a, they have a differing view on something, whether it's political or life in general. But when it comes to someone like you guys, my biggest fear is that maybe I'm not going to be able to see the latest quote you put out there, your video or the thing you and Pat do, like, because the algorithm was telling me I'm going to rather watch someone twerk for five seconds, as opposed to listen to someone (laughs) talk about life for 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. And so how do you, as a, when you work with brands and even yourself, how do you deal with these changing algorithms and trying to get this positive content out there to people that really need it? Well, that's the million dollar question, isn't it? Um, It's tough for me because um, I get my wires crossed between my branding and marketing expertise and then my sense of mission you know right because they are often in conflict the algorithm i I taught um, music marketing for a while with a gal who has this thing called the savvy musician academy and she's phenomenal and um, so i would teach her students coach a lot of them and i would often tell them i said you know um the key for you guys is if you want love from the algorithm you've got to you've got to show that your number one interest is the algorithm's number one interest. And the algorithm's number one interest is to keep people on the platform as long as possible. So design your content in a way that you can keep people on the platform longer and the algorithm will probably favor you more. Easily said, not easily done, which is a phrase I hate, but it's just to make that point. Um, If the algorithm sees that, as you said, the twerking, is what gets the views and the clicks and the likes and the vanity metrics, then obviously that's going to be, um, that's going to, that's going to fill the newsfeed. And then you have the shadow banning factor where if, if the algorithm perceives that there's hashtags and things of, you know, whatever it is, a political phraseology or gun or whatever it may be, could, whatever the buzzword is, then you'll see, stuff like i like on max youtube channel it was just going i mean zooming up and then buffalo and ovaldi happened and it just went 
immediately down for no reason whatsoever, other than the algorithm. They rewired the algorithm and he's got videos where he's, you know, does, we've got videos of his firearms instruction and whatever. So he's not doing anything bad. It's, it's safe. It's, it's the guy you want right. to hear from, you know what I mean? But because it has to do with that, you know, his, his, his reach got, got cramped big time. So for me, um, I work by the premise, this is where, again, going back to my, 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 uh, my religious past, where I kind of take the model of the Jesus model, where at one point he had like 5,000 people who came out to hear him talk, and um, he fed them all, you know, doing miracles and things like that, and um, they left. They all left, you know, because the food was gone. And he wasn't doing anything anymore. And so he was always down to his 12, you know. Um, so here's a guy with 12 guys that he basically ate and drank and slept with for three and a half years. Yep. And we're still talking about, you know. So in other words, he didn't need the 5,000. Just give me 12 I can invest myself in and I'll change the world forever. And so that was kind of the premise when we started the squad was, well, let's start taking them from these audiences and bring them into a, a you know, get, get them out of that fish and loaves, 5,000 waiting for every free podcast. And let's get these guys, let's get some out who are, would rather be with us around the campfire, so to speak. And we'll start investing in them. So that's what I mean about getting your wires crossed with mission and, and, an algorithm, you know, or, or, or marketing, um, because I, I, I'll do everything I can to try and get around, you know, uh, beef up the production, try to hit on topics that seem to be more popular. Uh, but there was a, there was a movie um, called the big night a number of years ago with Stanley Tucci. Yes. And, and, uh, and his brother was the guy from monk. I forget his name, but uh, uh yeah, you know the actor I'm talking about. Yeah, but yeah. it's a it is a brilliant, brilliant movie. And um, but it's set in the '50s. A couple guys straight from Italy. They wanted to open an Italian restaurant in America, you know, and they were having the hardest time. And his brother, the guy from Monk, is just the most badass chef of all time. He is Tony incredible. Schwab or Tony Schlub or Tony. Yes, yeah, something, yeah, yeah something like yeah. that. So he's just an incredible chef, incredible chef. But everybody just wants spaghetti and meatballs. You know what I mean? So he's having a hard time selling this food. So there's another guy who's Italian. He's got a restaurant up the street and he's just pizza, meatballs. And that place is packed all the time, you know? And so he, 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 he was the, the, the younger brother wants to become more popular. So he's trying to convince his older brother to make, you know, let's make something that people want. But the, the idea was he, they finally sat down with the other guy from the other restaurant. The other guy said, listen, when people come to your restaurant and they order steak, you know, they want to look down and see a steak. They don't want to look down and say, what the hell is this? Right. You know, he goes, give them what they want. And then eventually you can give them what you want, you know? And so in that sense, you, you, you have to play the long game in social media, building trust, credibility, engagement, you know, that sort of thing to where people just, they see you for who you are. Um, they are attached to you. They've, they've become dependent in a way 
right. you know, and then they're ready to go further. They're ready to hear things from you that they would have never listened to before. And that may mean getting them off that platform into something a bit more personal, but like we did, but there are ways around it. But if you just want to be super big on social media, yeah, you're going to have to do, you're going to have to sell your soul. <laughs> And it's, it's sometimes I, I see some of those people, as do you, where they do sell their soul and they don't look, they're not happy, they're miserable, and mm -hmm. they're they're chasing this idea, this algorithm or concept that you need all these followers. And like one of my uncles always said, if someone's gonna give you a dollar, give four quarters, not a hundred pennies. And it's always kind of been like surround yourself with those, like you said, surround yourself with those core people. And in my industry with security and the, the company I'm in, give me four to five great give me four to my four to five good guys we're going to yeah. steamroll your 100 whatever people whatever what you're doing it's like right. it's so tough to and i've, I've got to the point now where it varies with the podcast i everything i put out now it's like whether it's about domestic violence or ptsd or an actor or a musician or a, a guy about ufos or bigfoot it's all kind of different and random but i have found that as long as you are truthful to yourself and you are learning and you're asking questions. And so what if people disagree or you disagree with the guest? It's like, put that content out there. Let yeah. people decide what they want to hear and believe in. And I think there, there is something to that for, I, when people started a podcast in the pandemic, through six months later, once the pandemic ended, they stopped doing what they did. It's like, yeah. what were you doing it for? And it's <laughs> yeah. like, do you yeah. believe in what you're doing? And I think you talk yeah. about that a lot too. It's like, believe in what you're doing. Yeah. Um, in fact, I was just talking about this yesterday. Um... Uh, I told, I was reiterating to someone, because I'll, I'll often get, you probably get these questions too. Someone will, will write me and, and they'll say, hey man, um, I want to start a podcast. What kind of gear do you recommend? You know, and I'll tell them, well, before we talk about gear, let me ask you a question. How serious are you about doing this? You know, because there's a lot of podcasts and it's very competitive and it's going to take a lot out of you and it's not going to be rewarding for a long time how committed are you because if you're not very committed then don't even worry about gear right now what i want you to do is pick a topic and go live on your personal facebook profile just go live and you can announce it ahead of time if you want to but go yeah. live and put just put a simple line about what you're talking about and just see who tunes in and maybe do a couple of those. And if you get good feedback and you feel like that the idea has merit or warrant, blah, 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 then take it to the next level. But if you're just going to buy gear and then, you know, start the podcast, <laughs> you're going to have a hard time because um, there's, a, there's a lot of people with great gear who are just an also ran or an echo. And there's people with who are doing it on their phone and their voices, you know, um, same thing on YouTube, you know, some of the people who could be the biggest on YouTube have got the poorest production, uh, but just because they're, they're resonating, you know, with right. something. And I, I want people to fill the space because this is a, what we're watching is the greatest thing to happen in communication since the Gutenberg press. Yeah. This is, it's phenomenal. The changes that have happened. I mean, you look at just, so when we first got on social media and the way it is now, you know, used to be you were like you you wanted friends. It was a, like a, a, a competition who had more friends, you know. Now it's like, who can I dump? <laughs> you know? Yeah. But the other but the other thing is, is that 
um, is if you understand the way social media works and the way information is basic, you know, you say social media, media means broadcast, right? So broadcasting is social. In other words, broadcasting is from person to person now, as opposed to from mainstream or alternative media, which is now basically mainstream media. Um, but I remember when you, back in the day, if you were goofing off, wasting time on the internet, you were surfing the web. Right. Right. Because you were like, I wonder if so-and-so has a website. You know, you were just looking for stuff. You didn't know where you were going. You were just like, dude, this is cool. And you're seeing all these new websites and stuff. Now, if you're wasting time on the internet, you're on social media. You know, so yeah. then you go back in the day and it was also if you were information was searched for so keywords and all of these things were, were paramount information was searched for now information is shared. So it's important to have that viral aspect to what you do, but the powerful thing about social media now is if, if somebody's really serious and I say this to anybody is then you know do the best you can organically in other words use the existing platforms don't put a dime into it just build your audience as best you can but if you want to get serious about it then put money behind it because for all of that privacy stuff we bitch about when it comes to facebook it's very helpful if you're marketing yeah <laughs> because i can find out if somebody you know like when i was initially marketing metal motivation um like well who do i target because I could target people who like motivational content, Tony Robbins, Zig Ziglar, whatever, and but they may hate heavy metal. Or, well, then do I target heavy metal people? Well, I could target heavy metal people and they will say, well, this is stupid. Motivation, who needs that? It's crutch crutch, you know? So how do you, who do you target, you know? So when once the Facebook um, ad manager became more sophisticated, I could, I could then start putting in layers of interest. So I could say people who like Judas Priest, Metallica, Iron, just all the big bands, Iron Maiden, yep. Pantera, Slayer, Megadeth. But then they must also like Zig Ziglar, Tony Robbins, yeah. this guy, Gary that now, yeah. Gary V, exactly, Grant Cardone. And then I can make go even further. I can say then they also must have read Think and Grow Rich, The Secret, blah, blah, blah. So I could get it down to where it's like 750,000 of people who love Maiden, Metallica, Megadeth, Tony Robbins, Gary Vaynerchuk, Grant Cardone, Zig Ziglar, Red, Think and Grow Rich. How much marketing do I have to do? All I got to put, all I do is I have a little ad that says um, daily motivation for people who love heavy metal. And they're like, how does Facebook know? That is exactly what I want. It's Tony Robbins meets Metallica. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> and they just right. like so but once you do that then you can then target exactly who you want instead right. of just relying on organic reach because the algorithm bends to the pay and it's still way cheaper than running on television or radio you're, you're paying cents right. as opposed to thousands and thousands of dollars this highly targeted stuff to a highly targeted audience. And then once they start to engage with your content, you find out what those, that dedicated audience wants. 
And if I find out, for example, that, you know, I want to talk about this subject, subject A, but they're really interested in subject B. They want to know how to get over a breakup. And I'm like, really? That's what they're interested in? Okay, well, then I'll do a video on how to get over a breakup. But then I'll, I'll run those videos out and I'll see what the organic reach is initially. And it'll be really good. And I'll say, okay, we're hitting on something. Then I'll put money behind it. And I'll send it that video out in one ad for cents a day to my existing subscribers. Because, you know, Facebook doesn't show your post to everybody, right? Even though they subscribe to your page, they're not seeing it. Correct. So, it'll, so I'll send it out just to them. Then I'll create a second ad just like it and send that out to the same cold audience I was targeting that like Metallica and Tony Robbins and all that sort of stuff with that video. But then Facebook keeps a record of who watches the video. And if I send another one out, it'll keep a record of who does, does that. Then I can say, okay, Facebook, go back 60 days and give me, and it'll keep record of how long they watch the video. So I'll say, okay, Facebook, give me everybody in the last 90 days who watch my videos at least 75% of the time. I mean, I mean, at least 75% of the video. And Facebook will give me that list. Now I've got a list, let's say, of 15,000 people, 5,000 people. We're talking about some highly, highly targeted yes. people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Though if those 5,000 people just spent $10 with me, I'm good for the year. Right. You know what I mean? So it's so, and I didn't spend a whole lot of money. So right. that's how I would get around all of this stuff. It's, it's, it's really found in the marketing and understanding how social media, digital marketing works, how to target the right people how to put in front of them things that they, they want. For example, uh, when I was teaching the musicians how to do this, I would look at their videos and they put out their music video, right? Lyric video, something like that. And it's good stuff. These are good musicians, but they're not signed by a label. So um, when they would put out a video that they wanted to promote, they would have like three or four paragraphs on the post. Who it was produced by and thank you for this. And the song is about this. And this is what I felt when I wrote it. And the song is really just about getting over a broken heart or the loss of a loved one, something like that. I tell them, get rid of all of that. This is what I want you to do. We're going to upload that same video. We're going to write one line. And all you're going to write is, if you've ever been through a breakup, comma, I wrote this for you, dot, dot, dot. That's it. And then because right underneath that is going to be a thumbnail, right, of the video. And what's on top of the thumbnail? A play button probably the greatest action maker in, in social media. Ever, ever have somebody post a screenshot of a, and you, you're, you're hitting it and it's not, it's not live, you know? Right. So just, just if, you've been ever, if you've ever been through a breakup, then I wrote this for you. I said, you have to keep in mind because that post, that video is appearing right before a post by their mom and right after a post from a friend. So you don't want to look like a billboard. You want to look like a post. Right. I said, and so and get rid of this, 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 company name it's it's social media they're following people not companies so put your name and don't worry about what your logo looks like nobody's probably ever going to see it the logo for you right now is a circle profile pic with a blue name next to it yep <laughs> that's your logo right so so be be clear about it right john spear blank and his picture i wrote this for you play right we got rid of all the clutter and now you're targeting you're targeting, you're targeting, and you're getting conversions. At that point, it's up to how good your music is or how good your podcast is Correct. or whatever it is that you're posting. 
But this will put horseshoes in your boxing gloves. And you realize, well, wait, I'm not at the mercy of the algorithm. Right. You know, the algorithm is like the mob. It just, it'll respond to money. <laughs> and not a lot. One of my favorite quotes of yours is, with no fences guarding our minds, it's no wonder we get into self-destructive thinking. And you have hundreds, you have so many other great quotes. I guess my question to you is, with your time reading scripture or the Bible versus hearing a song with the lyrics that hit you profoundly, do you grab from both of those when you come up with your quotes or how do you process or put something out there in terms of uh, if someone's going through a bad day, like what's, what's CJ's quote about mental health or getting, digging it, getting in that trench and digging your way out of it. Are you pulling for equal parts scripture, song lyrics, like what other parts of your life do you help? Um, I, I don't, I don't pull a whole lot from song lyrics um, unless I'm actually quoting a lyric. <laughs> I'll do that every now and again. Um, but mine somewhat, I think anybody who's been around church or something is going to hear a some of the similar vernacular, you know, um, the, cause I've had people write in and go, Hey, are you, are you, did you used to go to church or something? <laughs> they, they just tell by the lingo, you know, it's hard to hide it. You know what I mean? Um, but no, I mean, mine, a lot of it comes from, um, it, I, I'm the end result of broad reading and a lot of thinking, gotcha. you know, so I'm, I'm feeding from multiple streams. So there can be something I'm reading, for example, in business, and it harmonizes with something that I read over here in a war, you know, history, something. And it just, they meld together and I, and I see the similarities. And I, so I don't, I'm, I'm never, when people, one of the hardest questions for me to answer is, is people to say, uh, do you have any recommended reading? Uh, I, I, no, I don't. Really? You don't read? I said, no, I read all the time. It's just, it'd be nothing you'd be interested in. I'm the, they think I'm reading motivational. So I said, I rarely, if ever, read a motivational book, ever. It's just not, right. you know, it's not a, of, of interest to me. Um, but then the other side of this is the copyright, this, the, the writing skill. Yes. And so, you know, I've been challenged myself to take ideas and make them into something. So what, often, what a lot of where a lot of my quotes came from is from me writing. I'll write articles and then certain things will pop out and I'll say, you know what, I'm going to take that aside and I'm going to rephrase that in a way that's more poignant, you know, make it shorter. Um, so that's where a lot of it comes from. But but there I mean, there's no doubt that there's going to be Bible influence in there. Um, and just so people know, it's not like I'm, I'm telling you to, you know, right to get saved or something like that. I'm just, but I'm, it's just, you know, it's just like, like guard, guard your heart is what Proverbs says, guard your heart. Right. So I'm, I'm talking about guarding your mind because yep. that's, what's important. But, uh, yeah, it's, it is interesting because growing up Catholic and go to church and sit there as a kid and even sometimes as an adult, like, oh God, like I have everything memorized. I know where to stand. I know what he's about to throw yeah. the holy water. But when it came to the homily, I was always the most interested in that part of it because yeah. he took or she or yeah, I only had uh, but priest. Some yeah, so priest. And I've been to some Jewish temples and some other, uh, some, one of my friends is Hindu, and the same type of thing happens where you really don't know what's going on in the letter to Paul or whatever these different right. letters and this other stuff's happening. But when that comes to the priest talking or whoever, the secular leader talking, they're talking about everything they say is relating 
to the those time of the book they're talking about to what's currently happening in their lives or our lives today and people that are able to read a book like i if you were to read something and man i don't i don't understand what courage is but yeah. cj's gonna what how cj's gonna talk about courage is gonna resonate with me because now he's gonna pull out the parts that he's gonna help me realize and understand what these things are and i think people that are able to do that whether it's reading a book or hearing something for the first time or those people are able to process that and put it out in real time to those that may not understand what's actually being said yeah and then thus understanding it it's super powerful for me and i've always loved people like yourself that can kind of do that where it's like when you watch your episodes with you and pat or the stuff you do by yourself it honestly the first time i listened i was like oh my god it's like going to a hobbly because they're talking about stuff i'm I'm familiar with but it's such and i don't mean this in a bad way but the basic way you talk about that stuff is so powerful where it doesn't scare away people like you 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 look at pat or somebody you would be like oh my god they're like they're too smart for me but you, 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 and you dumb it down in such a way that it's so powerful, eloquent that you you don't use you don't waste words, and you don't waste time getting to the point of something. Yeah. And it's there's something really powerful with that. Oh, they're very kind. Thank you very much. And you know, I, I take that part of it very seriously. One of the advantages I had was actually from being in ministry. You know, I I'll, I'll often mention to people. I said. You know, if you watch any of these voice competition programs, how many people came from churches? Because in churches, you're singing all the time. You know, you're singing and you're you're sitting under speaker. I sat under speakers, you know, three, four, five times a week, every week for years. And I mean, phenomenal speakers, even some of the ones that were just absolute charlatans. They're still phenomenal speakers, you know, Um, and you appreciate those who communicate well and their ability to elucidate something their ability to you know make a point and keep your interest and there's a cadence a real rhythm to what they they know where where to put the inflection and that's it, it makes listening easier you know it makes it a lot easier mac is uh, mac is interesting because he you don't normally get uh those kind of guys with that big a personality you know, right. his his breed, they're the type that vanish into the landscape when they come out. You know what I mean? When they retire, they disappear. You never yes. see them again. You never knew who they were. They did dark things in dark places, and we don't need to know what they've done. Mac, on the other hand, <laughs> you know, he won't talk about those things. You know, like I said, he doesn't brag about military stuff or whatever. He'll if you ask him something, he'll answer as best he can. But but he's very animated and he has a tremendous um, sense of his purpose for his life now. In fact, for example, we were just talking the other day. um, He's actually writing a children's book right now. And um, yeah. So, but, but to teach kids about, you know, certain principles that he teaches adults, but done in a way that's very, very creative. And he was reading it, the draft of it to me and my son, uh, a couple of weeks ago and uh it's in that mac you know voice but it's so warm and so alluring it's i can already see we're going to be filming him do that in a little set or something and kids are going to want us you know dad dad play play the mac thing you know um so he's unique in that he has a, he has you know it's kind of built in with him and uh but that makes for very very interesting conversation because again we have just different backgrounds 
but we have a similar way of looking at the world. And so when either one of us says something that we may not have heard each other say before, we're often the first ones to go, oh, wow, that's a good point. You know, um, It's hilarious to try and watch us go through a door. There's something about being in your 50s uh, where, you know, you've been on the planet long enough and you don't take yourself seriously much right. anymore. And you just realize that life works better when you prefer others before yourself. And so it's just funny, you know, I mean, I have so many things that are gifts from him, you know, like, you know, he's obviously into personal safety and you'd probably slap me if I didn't, for not having a flashlight, not having a knife and right, right. These, sort of, these sorts of things, just everyday carry. Right. So Max, like, dude, I, you, I've been looking at your pockets. You don't have a flashlight. And I said, no, I don't. And so he go, he runs because he's been sponsored by everybody. He's got 50 of everything, you know? So he comes down and brings me a flashlight. And then like last Christmas, um, he was, he was, uh, Bruce Blades had done a, a Mac, a, a Mac blade, whatever he, he calls it, but it's his blade, his design, his everything. And they sold out of those and everybody wanted one. So he hit the guy, he goes, there, is there any chance you got one? And so the guy looked around like in his, garage or something and he says you know what i actually have one left he goes i want it i got to give it to my buddy for christmas so he gave me that you know um so i have so many things from it and then if you go to his house you see on his walls like in our podcast you see that there's a there's a there's a canvas print of eddie van halen yes. in the back over his room kit i gave him that um so we're always you know I'm, I'll, I'll all of a sudden he'll get a, a shipment of just metal motivation shirts and just a big package of them you know um so we're always kind of surprising each other and that kind of stuff. And um, but it's 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 an interesting friendship because he's he's a true friend. And I remember uh, I know you're not asking about this and I'm taking up time with it, but he. Um, he was not he's not a trusting person. These guys are not, you know, right. There's they're a different ilk. Yeah, there's a there's a different ilk, you know, I mean, think ex CIA types, you know, that kind of thing. And um well, he's, you know, he's been burned with people business wise. And, and uh, so we were talking and, and there was, oh, I mean, he was always gracious. We all, we were hanging out. He was, he, he, whenever I came out, he, we'd party, you know, but there was always just a little, you know, you could feel it there until then finally one day as we were talking more and more about business and the pot, we were already podcasting by then, but then we talked about doing some business stuff together. And he told me a story about someone who kind of, you know, burned him. And I said, Mac, why do I get the feeling you're telling me this for a reason? He goes, because I am. <laughs> but then one day we were at the pub and um, I don't know what changed or whatever. But we were just sitting there. It wasn't the alcohol necessarily. It may have helped, but um, we were just sitting there and he just looked at me and he just 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 said, CJ, you are my friend. And I knew what he meant when he said that. And he just, you know, he just kind of held the moment there for a second. and things really began to change after that. And that's, and then after, once it got, once we got COVID changed everything for us, right. it was a, it was actually a, a, as much as we hate every part of it, like everybody else did, there was an upside to it for us. It was um, for him. I remember in 2019, I'd been talking to him for two years about starting an online coaching thing. And, uh, but he was traveling so much with, you know, doing teaching courses all over. And he, dude, he, he, he told me one day in 2000, he said, dude, I, he said, I don't know if I can keep this up. 
you know, it's just brutal, brutal. And he was missing his family and he had chores backing up. And every time he had turned around, he had to get on an airplane again. And um, then COVID hit and nobody was going anywhere. No. And everything shut down. And I said, well, now we can do it, you know, and we did. And everything changed since then. You know, he hasn't traveled since, uh, has no plans on it. Um, and he's very much a homebody now, but that for our friendship and our relationship, once we started having to meet like this every week, you know, and I'm out there all the time and we're shooting vlogs and all this other stuff. And he's now, he knows my family and, you know, all that kind of thing. Um, it really, really grew, but it took time. It took a serious investment because I met him in 2016 and it took, you know, year, a few years to get it to, to this place. And I hit him at just the right time. You know, he, he, he exploded not long after I met him, you know, but, um, we kind of talked about that, but the idea of when it comes to people believing what you're saying, if they, if, if it appeared on screen that you guys are just doing this, just two separate people for two hours a week. But the fact you do come off is very, you, you, you are friends. It's very yeah. believable when you look at each other, how you react. And I think yeah. that goes a long way in, pe in terms of people believing what you're saying yeah. or wanting to endorse these two friends talking about life from two yeah. different backgrounds. And it, 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 again, it is very, it's really cool to see you guys interact with this. Like, man, these, the first time I saw them, like, man, these guys are just friends having a good time. I don't care one did what, one did the other. I don't, they could both be a cook or a taxi cab driver. That same interaction is not going to change. It's, it's very believable. Yeah. That's what we wanted was we want people to you know, the old fly on the wall thing. We want people yeah. to say, man, I'd love to be there when they're talking. And yeah. um, so we're still kind of finding our way. We kind of put off the podcast for a while because of the squad and um, starting to pick it back up again. We've done one episode a month for the last two months, which is a miracle for us um, because again, we're doing two hour live streams every week, yep. two hour zoom calls every other week. So we feel like we're podcasting all the time to do another podcast on top of that is like weird for us. So that's when we started to cover like events in history. Like we did the endurance. Yes. Uh, we did Lewis and Clark. Um, so we thought, you know, kind of like bro, we call it bro history, you know, just we're not historians. We just read the books and stuff. And we just talked about how, crazy these people were and what the stuff they did um and so that's really been a lot of fun and as of late to make it easier on him um i just i said let's start covering some books that you're really passionate about you know i'll read them and go through them since you've already read them and make it a little bit easier on him and right. uh, that's been a lot of fun because he, he reads like sports psychology so that's been great you know so yeah it's uh, that it's endurance fun. episode it's that we say that i can picture you two talking about the uh that rugby team their crash and the resort to cannibalism yeah. like i can just picture you two talking about that for two hours and it's just yeah. about from survival <laughs> to how to right. cook someone to i just again yeah. you guys have something really special i uh, appreciate no i appreciate that again i wish wish i could say we planned it and um but uh yeah there's i've always been a jovial extroverted kind of guy so it's i'm always been i've been looking for a partner looking for somebody to work with right and then but uh i feel like i you know i kind of hit the jackpot with him because i can find jovial people i can find interactive people but to find somebody with his particular skill set and history and depth and wit and knowledge base you know uh-uh uh, right. I, I, and here's a you know i always tell people the story when he to, to show you the kind of guy he is he was on joe rogan's podcast um 
I want to say 2019. So I think it was. Yeah, right before the pandemic, I believe. Yeah, right before the pandemic. Yeah, and uh, so the, so I had given him a University of Badassery T-shirt. I said, take this and give it to Joe. You know. So I guess they had been hanging out and Joe's waiting. This is, Joe was still in LA at the time, and so they start off the podcast, and Joe says, "All right, Pat Mac." president of the university of badassery and matt goes well i'm more like the vice president and so joe rogan goes well who's the president <laughs> you know what I mean? if i've got the badass here who is the president you know and he goes well that's my buddy cj and they went into the conversation not realizing that the, the president of the university of badassery doesn't mean shit <laughs> you know um just like just like in in delta force you know rank doesn't mean anything um but but just the fact that in that moment, he's not going to take credit for something, right? Whatever he said, no, it's it's he's the one who you know, right? So it's like, dude, that 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 speaks volumes to me for somebody like that to, to do that. Be uh, before I let you go. I mean, obviously, I know you have your own merch line and everything you're doing with Metal Motivator and stuff like that. But where can people reach out to you? How do you reach? How do they want? How do you want them to reach out to you? Is there a specific thing you want to send them to and stuff like that? No, yeah, I would just if yeah, if you're interested, um, I would say you can follow on Instagram, which is at Metal Motivator, or Facebook at Metal Motivation. So Facebook.com forward slash Metal Motivation. Um, if you're interested in the merch type stuff, metalmotivationstore.com. But yeah, most of the stuff is going to be just because I'm playing much, much more of the producer's role. I'm kind of like, you know, Ron Howard after finishing Happy Days. It's like, do I stay in front of the camera? Or do I go right. behind the camera? You know, and because Mac has just there's so much life to what he's doing. And there's such a, you know, I'm dealing with a very mixed bag audience that you know, it's not the spending power, the, the resources of his audience is so much greater than metal motivation, you know? Um, and he needs my producer, marketer role, co-host and that sort of thing. My son, you know, makes film and video. So, you know, it's, we're, it's, we're a lot more useful there. And I do other things for other people too. Um, there's a couple other podcasts I'm looking to co-host in much the same way one's about german shepherds <laughs> awesome. um but uh yeah so i would just i would just follow on you know ig or facebook and you'll get the gist of it and that's a for you though like a lot of the bands i know and stuff like artists and they're i know they follow your stuff too and it is kind of cool that having dealt with different bands and i mean i was just in uh catering in hellfest uh in france 105 degrees out hmm. hot as hell and Talk, talk with a bunch of the like, sepultura guys and saxon and all these bands yeah. up there osprey dropkick murphy's and it's just what we're in a conversation was catering and we're just talking and uh we're talking about podcasts and stuff and one of the guys knew what i was doing and uh we're just talking about man what would it be cool i was like would it be cool to like a de podcast just take dedicated music but like yeah. in like a cool way and obviously right. familiar with your stuff and we went down the rabbit hole and the guy actually knew who you were and knew wow. about the quotes and uh, it's well six two where it's like you never know music and metal specifically. Yes, you're gonna have the Pat McNamara's in a kilt in the driveway listening to Sepultura, or yeah. you're gonna have the guy doing Slayer doing our one on push ups in the driveway who's special forces. <laughs> but you're gonna have that single mom who loves corn or loves yeah. whatever it is. It's like the power of music and how it's brought people together. Uh, 
it's just fascinating. And I think it is for you to be out there in that world. It's like, you never know those big, tough metal guys might need to hear some motivation or that, that fan might need to hear motivation. It's like, we all need that motivation and what you're doing out there. That community is uh, super powerful. Oh, John, thank you very much. You know, I, you can get, as you know, you can get, you can spend so much time on this side of things. You don't really hear from people. You don't know. You're just kind of putting stuff out there. You don't really know what right. people think or who it's reaching. Right. So if I don't hear from, especially somebody like you, who's a peer, you know, a colleague, it means a lot. You know, I know, you know, what's, what goes into these sorts of things. And, and dude, that's just, it's an honor to be with you, man. You know, like you're rubbing elbows with Saxon and Sepultura, not me, Right. <laughs> you know, shine down and trust you with their lives. Um, so that's, you know, that, that's pretty heavy, dude. That's heavy. It's, it's, it's an honor for me to be, to be connected with someone like yourself, who's, you know, who, who works in the music business in, at that level, which I know is becoming a more critical, critical part of things uh, as, you know, the world in some ways yeah. grows more dangerous. So. Of course. So well, uh, CJ, this has been awesome. Uh, we'll have to do it again, but I wish you all the success and uh, everything you're you doing. And uh, give my best to Pat and yourself and uh, stay safe. And we'll uh, talk soon. All right. Take care, buddy. Awesome. Thank you. How's it going, everyone? John here, the host of Spear Talk. You might not know this, but before I record an episode, I like to break a sweat. And I do that using the chop fit. Over the course of the past year, the chop fit has allowed me to lose weight, tone up my body, and feel even more amazing about myself. A feeling that you should all feel about yourself as well. If you use this code, SPEARCHOP10, you get $10 off your order. Once again, use code SPEARCHOP10 for $10 off your chocolate order. It'll change your life. Thank you. Hi, I'm Mercedes Nickel, four-time Winter Olympian and host of Dropping In, a podcast with Mercedes. This is a podcast where I interview a bunch of different people. I get the good, the bad, and the ugly, as well as I share my stories along the way. Now you can drop in at droppingin.com or subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. I'll see you soon. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast. Heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com.